one more ball to get it on the grid. No, those are not the sounds from an action sport event like the X Games. That is actually a golf event. A world long drive event to be exact. Welcome to Season 2 of the Mod Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and this week, rather than conduct a couple of phone interviews, I instead travel to southern Oklahoma for three days to cover firsthand what the players, fans, sponsors and owners were creating and experiencing at the Volvic World Long Drive Championship. I flew into Dallas and drove one hour north to the Windstar World Resort and Casino, which is owned by the Chickasaw Nation of Oklahoma. Now, World Long Drive has been around for over 40 years, but a couple of years ago, Golf Channel, owned by NBC, bought the property with the vision and aspiration of taking it from Golf Novelty Act to a mainstream sport entertainment property. So you may be asking yourself, where is Thackerville, Oklahoma, and why is a golf event happening there? Now, when it comes to the World Long Drive Championship, there are two main requirements, space and money. Windstar is one of the major sponsors of this event, and with their 36-hole golf course facility, they have the space to hold it. Their playing field, or the grid as they call it, is the equivalent of five football fields long, almost 500 yards in depth, and about 60 yards wide, because that's how far some of these players hit. And around the tee box or hitting area, they've built a U-shaped 750-seat grandstand, but that's only half the space they need. You need to double that, because they also require a practice grid for all the players to warm up, which is also the same length. I spent my first afternoon watching the qualifying rounds of the Men's Open Division. Afterwards, I met up with Golf Channel Vice President of Strategic Programming Partnerships, Andrea Starkey, to learn the basics. Now, Andrea, love you to tell our audience a bit about yourself and your involvement with World Long Drive, and then I want to talk a bit about the future, because that's what we do in the Mod Golf Podcast, is talk about the future of golf, so I'd love to hear about your thoughts about the future of World Long Drive. I started working at the LPGA uh, several years ago and worked for them for nine years and then came over to Golf Channel and been there for six years and working really to bring more live event programming to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. As you may know, Golf Channel has lots of tours Thursday through Sunday. It's fantastic, but we also want to bring some live tournament coverage to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So World Long Drive was a solution for that initiative, and we are slowly building from the ground up, and happy to say this is our second championship that we have been involved with from an ownership standpoint, but uh, have been televising it now for several years and just love the platform. And it's my understanding that World Long Drive has been around for some time. And as you mentioned, that Golf Channel did acquire the property a couple of years ago. And I've noticed that you guys have already taken this to the next level of really understanding that the potential of this is as an entertainment product first with this golf format being the engine that drives this. So for our listeners that may not know yet what World Long Drive is, could you quickly tell us what the format is? Sure. So basically, we have three divisions. We have the Open Division, which is open to anyone. We have the Masters Division, which is for men 45 and over. And then we have the Women's Division. And it's a point system in the early rounds that allow all the competitors to compete against those in their division multiple times. And then from there, it breaks down into match play. And as you can see on television, we get into mano y mano and guys get knocked out and it's exciting and a lot of fun fun for the crowd that's on site and then fun to see these guys bombing at 380 to 450 and it's a lot of fun I think fun is the operative word to describe it here. And not only the men, but I, I've talked to quite a few of the women. I've been watching them over the last couple of days in our previous time that I had a chance to, to, to see you live with a uh, World Long Drive event. And the women are progressing here. It's unbelievable. And it seems like the opportunity for you with World Long Drive is not only with the men, which are fantastic and the personalities there, but also with the women. And even something that I saw for the first time that you actually launched last night, which was a team event, which is very exciting, which a lot of golf properties are realizing now the value of... Uh, the connectivity with an audience with team play. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So from the women's side of it, it is. It's very much a growth opportunity for us. We have our stars like Sandra Carlberg, who's won multiple times. And then we had a brand new woman who stepped up to the plate and she just bombed that ball and has made it into the final four, Alexis Belton. And she is an assistant golf coach at, I believe, Texas Wesleyan. And none of us knew who she was. And she came up and she has blown us all away. So lots of opportunity there. uh, Lots of women out there that could compete in this. And so we're really excited for them for the growth of that division and then from the team standpoint you're right the idea of being able to 
team up, there's just a different kind of camaraderie, a different kind of competition. You're not only relying on yourself, you're now relying on yourself to help your partner. And if you fail, now it's on your partner. So it's just a whole nother storyline that we can include, not only in our telecast, but in the overall growth of Long Drive. You touch on a very interesting thing about these qualifiers or people that never played before, especially on the women's side, that I, I know with the sports that we're involved with, one that we look at is the World Poker Tour, where you have these qualifiers that only play online, and next thing you know, they are sitting at the final table, and, and that there's a connectivity there that people in the audience or people that are watching that are golfers, especially young women, I'm assuming the, the, the hope is, they'll see that and say, that could be me one day. So the opportunity for growth here and connectivity for young women to actually succeed, the potential is, is huge on this. So I'm sure you're very excited about the possibilities there. Absolutely. And while long drive does take a lot of practice and commitment because you have to be able to swing at speeds that most the normal golfers cannot ever attain, there is a lot of opportunity because it doesn't require you going and playing 18 holes of golf. You do not have to know how to putt. You don't have to know how to chip. And so it makes it definitely an opportunity for somebody who may have a really long ball, but not be able to chip or putt and be able to participate and still enjoy the game of golf. And who doesn't love the long ball? It is a very exciting aspect of golf. And one thing that I do love is the fact, as compared to traditional golf, which we both love, of course, but is over four days and 72 holes, that to expand that into a larger audience, into the general public, that's a bit tricky. And I know, I'm sure for Golf Channel, you guys talk about this every single day. It seems here with what we saw last night that within six minutes of play between two competitors, you have this March Madness type of a feel. It's like one and you're done. And there's such tension and excitement and drama to that. It's, it's unbelievably good. So you have a very elegantly simple gameplay there that I think sets you up very nicely for the future of the sport. So on that note, as we finish up here, what do you see? What can you tell us about the future of what you're looking at 2018 and beyond there and, and really what the overall goal is here and the strategy for World Long Drive? Yeah, so we are working on increasing the number of televised events for next year and to continually increase them over the next few years. We will continue to have local and regional qualifying at locations across the country. We will continue to grow internationally, adding new international locations throughout the world and getting those representatives exemptions into coming to the championship as well. So a lot of opportunity, a lot of growth, and a lot of potential. How's it feel to be moving on? Man, somebody asked me before how I feel, so I guess the best thing I can tell you is you're talking to the Rolex-wearing, diamond ring-wearing, kid-stealing, wheeling-dealing, jet limousine-riding, jet-flying, son of a gun, and I got the hardest time holding these alligators down. Now give me two claps and a Ric Flair. That was Maurice Allen one of the most flamboyant and talented world long drive athletes after he hit a monster 483-yard bomb a couple of months ago. Maurice is one of the sport's most passionate ambassadors, and once I sat down to talk with him, I quickly realized he's one of long drive's most articulate and thoughtful supporters. My name is Maurice Allen. I am a professional long drive competitor. Maurice, thanks for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. So, Maurice, I've been following you for the last couple of weeks. I can see you're more than just a golfer. I can tell you are an athlete, not only uh, what you do on the grid, on the playing field there, and also the way you train. Uh, how do you start out in, in golf? Give me a little history on yourself there and how you got involved in golf in the first place, Maurice. Sure, pretty simple. One of my friends pretty much bet me I wasn't athletic enough at the golf ball, and then it turned into this go try this long drive thing out. I had been introduced to the game as a kid, but wasn't something I was into growing up. It was a football, volleyball, soccer, baseball, every other sport you can think of. I played those in track and field. I did really, really well, excelled in a bunch of sports growing up. And then, just like most people, you go to the driving range with a few friends, and then it turns into some bigger and better things, riding in the cart with people when they're playing, just hanging and kicking it with my friends. And I did that, and it turned into to go try long drive out and pretty much what you see is what you get now. So what was that aha moment for you long drive wise? What was the first time you actually entered a long drive competition? I think it was May of 2010. Hit the ball, couldn't hit the grid. So it was always out of bounds, always out of bounds. But I was 30 yards further than everybody else who was hitting that day. And I was like, ah, well, maybe I just got lucky. And then I went to a few other events and I got my butt beat pretty bad. But it was always one of those things I just, as an athlete, I don't like to lose at anything. So I just always worked hard and worked hard and worked hard. And that's where it turned out to what you see today. And you certainly have the results to prove that as you've won in Denver, I know. And right now, are you actually ranked number one in the world going in? 
At this particular moment in time, that will definitely change on Wednesday night, but that's okay. For me, I think I brought something different to the sport for, I think, the three or four weeks that I held the number one position. And my motto was always the same. It was I wanted to leave the sport in a better position than it was in when I got the number one ranking. And I think I did that. That doesn't stop my goal. That, that doesn't mean that I won't try to be number one again. That doesn't mean that I won't attempt to get a world title. But right now, uh, it's okay. I had my moment in the spotlight. Now it's time to relieve the reins over to someone else. And I think when they get that moment in the spotlight there are 16 other guys left in the competition that would be great ambassadors for the sport and I think that they'll do a good job well I don't think your reign as an ambassador for the sport is done I have a feeling you're just scratching the surface I actually saw you a couple months back in, in Mesquite playing and I have to say that where I, I saw you hitting there the progression even a few weeks further in that at, at Denver I can see the improvement I think you still haven't kind of reached your full potential yet so that's a, it's kind of scary to think what you got in the tank there Maurice but for me what I find really interesting of course with the podcast here is the fact we are looking at the future of the game and people are really changing their attitude towards golf that no longer thinking oh it's got to play 18 holes and car to score in order to call it golf Whereas before we call it just a switch, either you're golfing or you're not. Now there's things like Top Golf, obviously with Long Drive that we're very interested in here. That golf is more than just 18 holes now. So, how do you find it now when you go out and talk to people and get out there with friends and on the street, like talking to people about getting interested in golf? You find that people there's more of a buzz and people willing to try it now than even when you started in 2010. Yeah, I think one of the major contributors to that would be Top Golf. Obviously, Top Golf it brought a interesting combination of bowling and golf together, where you're out there and you're enjoying, whether it be just a group of friends or you're watching the game or you're eating food, and golf just so happens to simultaneously be happening. It it allows you to get competitive without being too too much golfy. It's more just kind of fun. So I think that that's definitely the crowd that Long Drive will cater to as well as the golf crowd. But I think think that the top golf crowd is definitely one of our major, major demographics that we're looking at. For me, golf is a beautiful game that I think a lot of people, if they could find more time, and the big issue in today's world, obviously, is time. So that's why governing bodies like the USGA came up with play it forward or the short track where you're only playing three holes or six holes. And golf courses have somewhat adapted to that to make it where people can still get out and enjoy the game. And it's it's such a game of beauty and peace. It's physical chess against a, a person that you'll never meet. Half the time, a club designer is a person who's dead. But they built this amazing living, breathing organism that's a puzzle. And it's a puzzle where you get to find yourself as an individual. You get to really find out who you are, your strengths, as well as your weaknesses. And those are things that will help you really make an assessment so that you can become a better person, whether it be a better family person, a better business person, a better friend. There's so many different lessons that you can learn through this amazing game. And there's so many different subcultures in the game of golf. And long drive is just a subculture, just like speed golf is a subculture. Amazing answer. Thank you for that. Before I let you go here, so you say you've been involved in long drive for seven years. So one thing we do on the Mod Golf Podcast is we do look down the road and to the future. So I'm going to pull up my crystal ball here and ask you, where do you think, let's say seven years from now, where do you think uh, world long drive or even golf in general will be? I think golf as a whole, uh, just being with the history that it's had, it's, it's a very established sport. You may have another player that comes through and does the Tiger Woods initiative or gets it to where it grows to another level and brings another level of excitement to that game. I think Long Drive is a definitely different, interesting beast. It is growing. The Golf Channel is doing an amazing job. They have a lot of great sponsors like Volvic and Performance Inspired with Mark Wahlberg. So I think seven years from now, you'll see more televised events. Uh, I think that we'll come up with a system of probably four majors and including the world championships, maybe as the fifth one. The competition will definitely become way more stiff than it is now. I think even with this year, this is the hardest world championships alive. And when you really look at it in, in the next few years, you'll see it. And my goal would be where the athletes who are doing and participating in long drive on the tour, that would be their only job. They'd be able to make six figure salaries from that. Maybe your top guys may even make a million dollars. So that's really what I'm going towards. Me as an athlete, seven years, I'll be 42. No, man, I'll be 42, almost 43 at that point. <laughs> so the sweat probably would have dried out for me at that point. But if I can be somebody who's working either in the booth or behind the scenes, helping them get sponsors, helping this thing grow into what we would see as the PGA Tour maybe in the next 20 to 25 years and where it's definitely a sport that is recognized and loved and it has its own fan base and people travel all around to see it, that would be really where I want to see the sport go. After speaking with Maurice, I headed back to the practice tee where the women's competitors were hanging out after their quarterfinal matches. 
I struck up a conversation with one of the tour's veterans, Michelle Sheptak, and later on, she told me her long drive story back in the clubhouse. So, Michelle, I saw you out there a long, grueling day yesterday during the qualifiers. See, you have a really interesting story. I'd like to, to share your golf history and other sports history also with how you've actually got into golf, how you've got into long drive. Let's start with that. A guy in high school gave me a five iron and told me, when you can hit this across the park three times, we'll let you play golf with us. That was my intro to golf, and I was always competitive, so I was able to do it and then started to just play golf for fun. But I didn't really know any of the rules. I didn't have any interest, no background, never been around the game really. So if I was hitting long, and whether it was in the trees or not, I still liked the game, so I'd always come back to play. That progressed into loving the game of golf, playing it for about 10 years. In Canada, that was about three months a year. (laughs) So it wasn't full 10 years. And then from that, I moved out to Palm Springs for my job as a nurse and just kept playing for fun, practicing on my own and had a goal to qualify for the California championships. And through that, someone that does long drive introduced me to long drive and then won a local qualifier. And then from there, I just focused on long drive. So can you tell me a bit about what it was like the first time you actually teed it up at a world long drive? The experience, the, the crowd, maybe what it was like or even the size, which I'm imagining wasn't that, that big as compared to where it is now. My first time, the venues are set up the same. The grandstands that wrap around the players, the noise, the fans, the music, that's all remain the same because that's what we need. We love the hype. We love the music. We love the loudness. We're not the golfers that want quiet please signs. So we just want that to motivate us. But as far as fans, it kind of depended where we are. We competed in Mesquite for a long time and we love that grid. That's like a home of long drive for us. Um, We got a lot of support from locals there. They loved us. We went out there for our first tour event this year and a lot of them are like so happy to see us but it's progressed into different areas like more people that are not necessarily golfers are coming to watch or they might hear about our event and they just want they're interested so they want to come see what it's about um, we're here this week there's people that are here for golf there's people that just live here so it kind of is to create a, a mix of different people to come and see what we do now, you have a very interesting background from what I've learned in the few minutes we talked yesterday, that you're, you're very unique in the sense that you're a bit of an action sport lady, that you've certainly liked the adrenaline-fueled things also. You're not just hitting golf balls an awfully long way, so I like this backstory with you. Can you tell us a bit about the other sports that you love to participate in and how that informs your long drive game also? Being in Canada, I mean, I played every sport, including hockey. I did basketball, track, volleyball, skiing. It was nonstop year-round, and golf wasn't in that picture until my high school years, and just because I picked up the interest on my own. But now my love is surf, and that's pretty much my life, surf and golf. And add motorcycles, add being a nurse. And a lot of my cross-training for golf is surfing, so it. It kind of works the same. They're both very individual sports. The work you put in is your payoff. Surfing is a good mental therapy for me. So often before an event, I'm I'm getting some waves before I even set into a golf venue because it clears my head and allows me to, to just relax. Got it. Now, we do love to explore the people that are on the fringes that are looking at new ways to grow the game, whether it's by creating a new community, whether it's through technology or new experience or some combination thereof. And I know from our conversation yesterday, you've got an interesting idea of how to combine the two things that you love. Can you tell us a bit about that between golf and surf? For years, I've taught kids how to golf and surf for free just because I love watching people learn. And I came from such a non-traditional background in golf, and I was pretty much self-taught until I started competing in long drive and really didn't even have coaching until about two years ago. So for me, I see people struggling, and I know if they just could have someone to teach them the basics, they just have to put the time in. So I'm going to start doing something called C to T, S-E-A, and literally just take like young kids, take them for an hour surf session do like a little box lunch and spend some time with them and then head to the golf course and do an hour lesson with them and combine the two and share my love of both sports and help to grow and give back to the young kids where I live. Sounds wonderful. Now you're based in Oceanside, right? Which is just north of San Diego. Yep. So you're out on the ocean. It sounds like I'm so jealous. You're out, you're on the water every single day. You tell me when you're home. Is that right? 
Yeah, most people think I just golf and surf and do nothing else, but truth be known, going on 22 years of being a nurse, so if there's waves, my life is dictated on that. Mother Nature waits for no one, so if the tide's right, the swell's right. If I'm working early, I've got to make time, get in the water an hour before work. I just make the time based on the swells. If there's nothing going on in the water, sometimes I just need to get out there. I'll go body surf or, or just be on the beach. It's who I am, surf and golf. Nice. Sounds like I got to get my priorities straight here. It sounds like the size of the swell dictates how you organize your day. So I've, I've obviously got my priorities completely backwards here. Got to work on that. So, hey, I wanted to ask you this. I, I know you've been at Long Drive for some time now. What motivates you to keep coming out here? I, I can see the smile on your face when you're out there on the grid. I think I touched on it earlier. It was a long day and it was hot out there yesterday. So what motivates you to keep coming out and participating in Long Drive? I think it's the desire to win. The competition is so incredibly tough. It's just grown. The girls are all training hard. We're friends on and off the tee, but our time on the tee, you wouldn't know that we're friends. Everybody's out there to win. And for me, as an athlete, I've always progressed to a very good amateur level at most sports. Long drive is the first sport that I went into a professional level at. And it's never been easy coming from a, a non-traditional golf background. It's just inspiring and motivating to continue to compete at this level, be amongst the best women in the world. We're trying to grow the sport, and it's getting harder and harder, and I'm getting older, and we're trying to regrow it for the women that are at the master's level because as the girls that are younger than us are going to get older, we're trying to have a spot for them to compete when they get to our age because it really gets hard. I mean, instead of quitting from the sport, why not have another area where you can go to compete at the same level? But yesterday was a grind, and for me... I liked the new format that we had. I've got a lot of stamina and endurance, and I knew that my time that I spend in the water was going to carry me through. I felt actually quite well the whole day and even afterwards. Within my 10 rounds, I think there was like a 15-yard gap from my first to my 10th round. Some of the other competitors, there was a larger gap. It was hard. Like Some girls felt really exhausted even after the first five rounds. Some could regroup, some didn't. I think it really brought out who the top competitors are. As we finish up here, Michelle, why don't we take a look into the future? Where do you see Long Drive going overall as an entertainment product, a broadcast and on the ground for fans, and also as the women's division grows here? Golf Channel's done a fantastic job promoting us, getting the sport known to different areas and doing a lot of TV coverage for this year. So I think in that aspect, it's bringing more attention. Whether people like us or not, we're on TV, they can see what we're about. They're doing a great job of giving us credibility of what we do. We don't hit gimmicky clubs. We're following all the USGA rules. For example, everybody thinks we hit extremely long drivers. They're 48 inches. We hit the same as what a PGA player is allowed to play or an LPGA. So in that aspect, we're growing. We're getting more credibility. It's always been there, but people just didn't know about us. It wasn't on TV as much. In social media, the competitors are doing a great job. Their own following and that's helping to grow it in that way it's fun I mean some of these girls I'm considered a veteran on the tee some are so new that they don't even know who all the other girls are but there's a lot of history in the women's long drive and some are coming back to the sport so it's growing that way we just continue to go on this wave that the golf channel has given us to continue to bring more exposure to ourselves I spent a lot of my time in the grandstand watching the competition unfold and that also gave me the opportunity to meet some of the audience members I met a gentleman by the name of Dean Jarvis, and his love for this sport extends way past the length of a 483-yard drive. So I'm sitting here talking to Dean Jarvis, and Dean is the founder and director of Paralong Drive and the Paralong Drive Cup. Dean, welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you. So Dean, I had the pleasure of meeting you yesterday, and we had a great conversation. I think your story is one that needs to be told here. So you can tell us a bit about your involvement in golf, and please tell us about Paralong Drive. Thank you. Well, the World Long Drive Championship, I always love coming to watch this. And the event that I put on, it's called Para Long Drive. And the athletes that hit in our events, they're uh, leg amputees, arm amputees, individuals that are paralyzed, have traumatic brain injuries, cerebral palsy, autism, a range of disability types. We have a lot of great hitters and our event's growing. And I think the main thing that we accomplish is that we provide athletes the opportunity to engage in competition. There's organizations involved that, in golf that they just focus on the adaptive side or introductory where it seems like they steer golfers over to the practice range and to the putting greens 
and steer them away from actual competition. And with Paralong Drive, we allow the athletes to enjoy the competition, and we put a number down by their name. And I think whether hitters are hitting the ball 109 yards or 409 yards, we want to push athletes to practice and train and get better, a lot like these uh, professional hitters here at the World Long Drive Championship. They're always looking to push themselves and hit it just a little bit further. I think this is fantastic. So to give us a little bit of context here, Dean, could you let's start with something you mentioned yesterday. Talk about the youngest athlete that you have involved with your program. Okay, the youngest hitter, uh, Tommy Morrissey, he came out to Mesquite, Nevada in 2014 when he was uh, three years old and uh, hit, hit in Paralong Drive, and he's hit in a couple of events since. He's gone on to fame in, in golf, that uh, he goes to golf majors, and it's not unusual to see him inside the ropes with the Jordan Spieths and the biggest superstars in golf. And with him, what are his physical challenges that he has to overcome when he's out there? Okay, uh, he was born with a birth defect. He's a one-arm golfer and an amazing little golfer. That's one of the divisions we have in Paralong Drive. And what's important is that other children now have watched Tommy and see the amazing success he has. And now there's more children that are taking up golf and also Paralong Drive. So I'm looking forward to 2018 that uh, we're going to really focus on getting more children involved in Paralong Drive. Wonderful. And with Paralong Drive, I'm assuming there is a a charitable aspect to this. So are you actually in the position of raising money for awareness and and treatment for helping amputees actually get the level of health care that they require? Putting on events. uh, I started with an LLC. It's called Amputee Long Drive Championship. And uh, we've put on eight events in 49 months. And right now we're looking to switch over to become a 501c3 nonprofit. But like at our last event, Otto Bach, the world's largest prosthetic manufacturer, they were the presenting sponsor. And what's unique about Otto Bach is that they also manufacture the paramobile that enables so many paralyzed athletes and especially paralyzed veterans to be able to compete in Paralong Drive. And it is just really unique that they're heavily involved in two separate divisions. And also, you know, I learned a little later they have a distribution partnership with a company called Maomo, where athletes that have a weakness in their arm, there's a Maomo has a product to help improve the lives of not only our athletes, but our peers. It sounds like a, a wonderful program that, that you're putting together here. The comment you made uh, a moment ago talking about veterans and, and the VA, how involved are veteran associations and, and veterans involved with Paralong Drive? There's three organizations that have really supported us and sent athletes. You know, the first one is the Stand Up and Play Foundation. You know, Anthony Neto is one of my best friends, and he uh, helped design and engineer the para-golfer machine that uh, Autobach manufactures. But uh, Stand Up and Play Foundation with Anthony, they consistently send several athletes to our events and also the uh, Paralyzed Veterans of America. Ernie Butler has uh, put in a great word for us. He's actually hit at a competition at uh, Orange County National. There's been several Paralyzed Veterans of America athletes who have competed. And also there's a group called Salute Military Golf Association sends athletes to hit at our events. So we have probably about 25% of our participation comes from veterans organizations. And with Paralong Drive, what's so great is that athletes, they have an opportunity to train and practice and gives them something to focus on and improve. So we're hopeful that the veteran side of Paralong Drive continues to grow. It's amazing. And little I know about what you're doing here, It seems to me that you have the opportunity here for the general public to raise awareness, not only for veterans, but but amputees, and using golf as that vehicle for them to see they can do that. What can they not do as far as regular life? We're all human beings here, and some of us have physical challenges or, or mental challenges, but you have the opportunity here to showcase that they have so much to offer, and golf is that vehicle, and it just extends into life. So do you, are you finding this, that the general public, the awareness is going up through the platform that you have here through Paralong Drive? 
yes, and our Golf Channel coverage has helped us reach lots of people. I mean, on a regular basis, people find out about Pear Long Drive through our coverage on the Golf Channel and the athletes in professional long drive. I bet within the last year, we've added probably a half a dozen new hitters, and they heard about us through professional long drive hitters. So we're really excited that the professional superstars, whenever they see an amputee, whether it's a leg amputee, arm amputee, or a paralyzed individual, they make it a point to go tell them about Paralong Drive, and they've actually been involved in the recruitment process of our new athletes. So they've embraced us, and it's been a wonderful fit between professional long drive athletes and Paralong Drive. And And actually, Chloe Garner, one of the women star hitters, she has been down to Knoxville and hit at an event which also featured a pair of long drive hitter. Local news station came down and did a segment on her and pair of long drive hitter Tyler Bunn. So it's been a really good fit. Are you also finding from your athletes also that personally on their journey, you can relate to this personally as far as as an amputee, I'm sure I cannot relate to this personally, but there's got to be times that that are got to be pretty dark and just that transition. I'm sure this just empowers all the athletes that you have involved here to give them a sense of purpose through golf that then transcends golf and then allows them to get back into life. Am I oversimplifying that or are you finding that golf is actually helping them get literally back on their feet and reintegrated back into society more? That happens a lot. Through the camaraderie of our athletes at events, you know, that has helped. Just the joy of competition, you know, a lot of times that, you know, athletes, they've looked at it as lost my arm or my leg or paralyzed. And a lot of them think that their athletic days are over. And then whenever I I have an opportunity to talk to them about Paralong Drive and what we're doing and what their peers, just like them, are doing, several have been able to re-engage in athletics and in competition, and it's a thrill. I think in just over four years that we've held Paralong Drive competitions, I've seen certain athletes that have just really progressed in a lot of ways athletically and personally as far as being able to kind of come out of the dark and have a different outlook on life. One particular athlete from Australia, I think I'll remember the rest of my life. He won an award out in Mesquite, Nevada, and he, with both hands, grabbed his plaque and raised it to the skies, and that was probably the most thrilling five seconds in the history of Paralong Drive. Wow. Well, well, thank you for sharing that story. So, Dean, before I, I let you go here, congratulations on all that you've done with Paralong Drive and the Paralong Drive Cup. Please continue to keep it up, as I know you will. If people want to have a look at what you're doing, maybe you can let them know through social media where they can find some information on Paralong Drive. Okay. That on a website, you can look at Amputee Long Drive Championship. And then on Facebook, there's my name, Dean Jarvis and also the Para Long Drive Cup. That's the three best sources to look what our athletes are doing and hopefully new athletes will get involved and hopefully new sponsors would like what we're doing and and help us continue to grow. Well, Dean, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, I appreciate it. It's now the final night of the Volvic World Long Drive Championship. Golf Channel's live coverage of the men's and women's playoff matches and finals is about an hour away, but the energy level is already starting to rise. Country music star Colt Ford is warming up the grandstand crowd as shuttle buses continue to drop off fans. After finishing my interview with Dean, I took the opportunity to speak with a few of the arriving fans and players to get their take on World Long Drive. Hey there, so uh, I'm talking to some fans here just outside before the Volvic World Long Drive Championship starts here. So... I've got a couple of lovely women here, so I want to hear their opinions of what they think of what they're expecting to see and what uh, what you've already seen. Hey, well, what's your name? Where are you from? Daisy. I'm from Kingston, Oklahoma. Nice. Nice to meet you, Daisy. And your name is? Janice from Marietta, Oklahoma. So uh, what brings you out here to the long drive competition? Uh, I really want to watch the, the ladies hit. The girl that I like, Troy, she got el- eliminated yesterday, but so I didn't get to watch her, but I'll watch the other girls. Right. The ladies. Ladies, yes, that was a bit, a bit of a shame. So you've mentioned that you've never been to a long drive competition before. So what motivated you to come out here? Why, why are you here? Why are you going to watch it? 
I want to watch the men drive like she wants to watch the ladies. I'm interested in watching them. Right. So do you like traditional golf or do you play golf at all or what or is this kind of your first golf experience? No, I do play golf and I'm very curious about this. I'm very interested. So you're a newbie, a new fan here tonight. So that's this is what they're looking for, these new fans. And have you been here before? Have you actually seen Long Drive before? Yes, I've seen it on TV two years ago, then I was here last year, so this is my second year coming to it. Well, and do you play golf also? Yes, I do. And do you have any desire to be inspired by these fabulous women and actually get out there and swing a club as fast as my good friend Lisa does over here? Well, yeah, of course, I would love to hit it as long as, you know, the distance that they hit it, but I'll just keep working at it. I like that. See, we're growing the game here, one uh, conversation at a time. Well, ladies, I'm not going to take up any more time. Thank you very much and enjoy your evening. So I'm talking to Lisa Luslick, who is also known as Lisa Longball. And Lisa, I've known you from previous long drive competitions, and I also know you from Women's Golf Day and your involvement in growing the sport in all aspects. Uh, thanks for taking the time to speak with me here today. So can you tell us a, a little bit about your experience here and your experience with long drive? And yeah, just tell us a little bit about your story. Absolutely. Well, thank you. We really appreciate all this media exposure we're getting for long drive because it's a sport that's growing exponentially. And you have been not only just doing interviews on the phone, you come down here in person and that makes a huge difference for our sport. So thank you very much. For, for my experience here, I've been in this sport 17 years. There's been 16 world long drive championships for women. So this was my 16th world long drive championships. I'm one of the only moms in the field, which I'm very proud of. I was top five in the world last year. For the first time ever, we actually shut the Americans out of the top five, which was unheard of. They're usually our stiffest competition. This year, we had 10 sets. We hit in three girls' sets, 10 times in a row from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. So it was a grind. It was a real grind. I had some awesome sets where I came within six yards of the reigning world champion, Phyllis Meddy. 332 was my longest drive, but I petered out a little bit in my last two sets, which I was disappointed and ended up with an 11th place finish. So I was a little bit disappointed, but to be honest with you, it's motivation for next year. I'm already gearing up and excited for what's going to happen in 2018. Wow, and I was out here all day watching the 10 sets, and, and for our listeners, you do hit eight balls per set, so that's 80 balls, and I, it's like full throttle that you're, you're swinging. I was just tired watching you ladies. It was amazing. Like the, the women's division is very interesting. Well, the growth of this sport is interesting, and of course that really attracts us with the Mod Golf podcast to talk about this, but I'm also very interested to hear what you see, Lisa. You've been involved for 16 years. Where do you think in 16 years or even a couple years from now where long drive will be as a sport with these elite level athletes that I include you in that group? Well, thank you. I'm absolutely honored. I, I, to be honest with you, uh, Long Drivers of America and Art Selinger, without them, we wouldn't be on the Golf Channel. Without Golf Channel, we wouldn't go to our next level. I'm throwing this out there, and this is pie in the sky. I believe in 16 years, I could see us at the Olympics. Golf is a measurable sport. It's not a judge sport. It's simply numbers. And so that's what the Olympics needs more of. Less judge sports and more numerical sports. And I think that if you have enough participation from countries around the world and these elite athletes, I could see this at the Olympics. I think that for the women's division, being on the Golf Channel, this is our first year we've been televised in, gosh, I think it's been at least 10 years since we've been televised. So we were live uh, live on the Golf Channel for two tour events, one in Mesquite, one in Denver, and now on the Golf Channel last night and tonight. I think that more women who are out there who are sitting at home going, hey, I hit it three bills. I can maybe compete with these ladies. Like, I think those ladies are going to start to say, hey, I'm going to go give this a chance. And all of a sudden, our numbers are going to double, triple, quadruple, and it's just going to be a phenomenon, not just in North America, but truly around the world. That answer just blew my mind. So I'm, I'm going to leave it with that. Lisa Longball, thank you very much, and I look forward to seeing you soon, and enjoy your evening. Thanks so much for having us. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that World Long Drive requires two main ingredients, space and money. Part of Golf Channel's challenge is to attract sponsorship that can help offset the cost of staging a series of half-million to million-dollar live and broadcast events like the World Long Drive Championship this week. With Volvic, World Long Drive has found a like-minded, innovative golf company that aligns with their culture and mission to create a fun, loud golf entertainment experience. I was curious to learn what motivated Volvic to step up to become the World Long Drive Championship title sponsor, so I met with them to find out. And I'm sitting down here with John Claffey, who is the National Director for Sales and Marketing for Volvic. And if you're not familiar with Volvic, Volvic are creating amazing colored golf balls, high-performance colored golf balls. I'm looking at them right now with a beautiful matte finish. So I'm not going to say any more because I'm going to let John tell us a bit about Volvic and then also about their connectivity and the growth and sponsorship with the World Long Drive here. 
Yeah, thanks for talking to me. Yeah, Volvic is actually a 35-year-old company. We've been doing this for a long time, uh, which is why we're able to accumulate. We've got over 58 worldwide patents that we use, and golf ball market is not an easy thing to come into these days and just start from scratch. So we've been doing this for a long time. So we have the technology and we have the resources. We are our own golf ball factory, so, so everything that we come up with is our own. About 10 years ago, we, we started looking into making the color golf ball market tour performance quality. We pulled it off about six years ago, and we did launch that new branding in the States at the end of 2012, officially at the uh, the PGA show in 2013. We launched Volvic USA as a separate entity, and ever since then, we've just have experienced exponential growth. We've signed more and more tour players to the point where we were marketing ourselves as the number one color golf ball on tour. We were using a message in a statement like that for a reason. We know that golfers really look to the pro tours more than any other sport for equipment. So what is okay to play? Not necessarily you know, a certain brand, but it's more like what kind of fad can take off. On, in golf, it has to be on tour for that really to be something that the masses accept. So we started with the LPGA Tour and started signing gals to play orange and green and pink and yellow golf balls. The phenomenon was as such, whereas if you're watching an LPGA Tour event on a Sunday and you see a, a pink golf ball land near the pin flag, and the next thing you know, you see that player walking up to that ball and they're wearing a Volvo cat. Well, then you're going to you're automatically going to our website and it's sending this strong message out to thousands and thousands of golfers at this time that says, hey, this is OK to do. Color is back. It's it's already taking a golf over in every other category. Why aren't we letting it happen in the golf ball space? And it's because uh, there was no pro support. So we started on the LPGA. We brought it to the Champions Tour, the Web.com Tour, and then slowly got it in play on the PGA Tour, as a lot of people have noticed this year. And then now we're doing it with the World Long Drive. We've got uh, guys out here in Thackerville, Oklahoma. They're hitting pink and green and yellow and orange golf balls over 450 yards. It's just something that is promoting more fun to the game of golf. It's promoting being different and just kind of changing things up. Our, our campaign title this year is hashtag change the game. And we feel like we've legitimately done so uh, with Bubba Watson playing pink and green golf balls on the PGA Tour and, and with these guys hitting pink golf balls 450 yards on, on the Golf Channel live TV. We feel like we have finally gotten over the stigma of the white golf ball, which is 100 years of, of brainwashing and conditioning that you must play this particular color golf ball. Well, we, we feel like we've broken down some serious barriers, and the numbers prove it. Golf Data Tech has said that in 2012, 20% of golfers were willing to play a color golf ball. That number now hovers around 60%. We feel like we've had a large amount to do with that. Uh, that's amazing traction that you guys have uh, gathered over a very short period of time. I'm also interested, because on the Mod Golf Podcast, we do talk about the innovators and disruptors that are looking to push the envelope of golf and get those people that have never picked up a golf club before. Are you finding, you know, having this fun factor, just looking at these balls here, John, do you have any data on, on people that are starting the game, gravitating towards Volvic balls? Yeah, it just makes people want to go play. I don't, I don't have the exact number, but we knew when we came out with our Vivid Ball, the world's first matte finish ball, that we had something very special. We knew we had to get it out of the packaging. So we got as many places as we could, we got into a bowl on the counter at a golf course, or we got it into a big bin at the, your big box store. And it was like a bright, shiny object to a baby. That you had to reach out and grab it and touch it and ask a question about it. Is this a real golf ball? Does this have dimples? Oh my gosh, this is my favorite color. Oh my gosh, Bob needs one of these. Oh my gosh, Mary, look at this. Look at this pink ball. Mary needs one of these right away. So it was like the conversation starter. It got people wanting to go out and see what their ball flight looked like on the golf course. So it has that effect. It has that effect with children. When they see a ball like this, they have to have it. I've had people tell me, oh, I just bought three of your balls. I don't even play golf. I just had to buy them. We had to keep them around the house. And, you know, it's just one of those phenomenons that we've come up with here. So we just released our second matte finish ball called the Vivid XT. That's the ball they're using here at the Volvo World Long Drive Championships and the ball they've been using all year long on the World Long Drive Tour. So matte finishes are all the rage out there for cars and football helmets and, and baseball helmets and makeup. And we were the first one to do it in golf balls, and it has been just through the roof. We cannot keep these balls in stock. It's just one of those things. We, we caught lightning in a bottle, and, and, and we have the perfect storm going on here. So the key for me, very selfishly here, that am I able to use these balls even though I can't hit it 440 yards? Am I allowed to use a volume ball? You know, that's kind of the effect that we have is when you buy a ball for $3 at a shop, you expect, okay, well, maybe this is fun, but probably a novelty ball because it's color and it's really bright and it's got a matte finish. 
But then you go out and you see that you're gaining 10 to 15 yards. You're seeing your ball from all over. You can see your ball from a mile away. It's like a beacon light out there on the golf course. And so now we really have changed your game. We've changed your distance. We've changed the way that uh, baby boomers can see ball in the air and on the ground. It speeds up the game. It actually improves your ball striking. So there's a myriad of benefits to playing color. And we're the ones who kind of just opened that door and, and have been lucky to be the leaders of that niche right now. So before I let you go here, John, what lies in the future here with the relationship that you have, even contractually, even the, the, the long-term vision here, not just for uh, for Volvic, but also with your partnership with World Long Drive? Yeah, well, you know, Golf Channel is now owned, owning and operating uh, World Long Drive. They're going to be making a huge deal out of this for years to come and more live events every year. And we're both in Orlando. We've got a great relationship. We're going to be the, the title sponsor for at least a couple more years here for the Volvic World Long Drive Championship and a big part of the other live events that they do. So we are the official golf ball. So it's just the perfect relationship right now with they need golf balls. They hit four people at a time. We provide four different colors. It's easier on the judges to know exactly who's who out there. And it's easier on the, the spectators. It's easier on the competitors themselves to really know exactly how far their ball went and, and where they are in the competition. So Volvic and World Long Drive have a very, very cool thing going on right now. I think it's going to last for a long time. Yeah, and seeing those balls in play, they certainly add another kind of layer of engagement there for the fans and also for the players. I think it's great. So, John, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. She is known as the 2013 Volvic World Champion. He is known as the Slinger. They are the Gridzillas, Heather Manfreda and Jason Esslinger. One of the big opportunities for World Long Drive is the potential of team play. The popularity of team golf events like the Ryder and Solheim Cups, along with the successful emergence of team-based play in other sports, provides validation that fans love this competition format. At the Volvic World Long Drive Championships, Golf Channel beta-tested team play on their live broadcast. Along with team play, World Long Drive also features the Masters Division for men 45 years and older. I met with a newly crowned 2017 Masters Division champion to get his take on the future of World Long Drive. I'm speaking with Jeff Crittenden. Jeff, welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. So I had a chance to talk to you on the final night of the Volvic World Long Drive Championships, and we had a great conversation there and really wanted to share your story with some people. So can you tell us a bit about yourself and your involvement with Long Drive, a history with that, how you started out in golf, and how you got to where you are now? Absolutely. I started Long Drive 11, 12 years ago. I'm a golf pro, and my boss told me that I needed to do Long Drive, and he handed me an eight-degree head and told me, go get a shaft and do it. As being a good employee, I listened to him and went and did it. And it went a little iffy at first, but at some <laughs> point, I turned it around and got it going in the right direction. Good stuff. So that was 11 years ago. So when was the first time after that you were told you had to actually become a long driver? When was the first competition that you went in? And how big was that? And what was that experience like? My pro told me to give it a month, practice, don't go in and do anything quickly. I picked the shaft up, had it built on a Thursday, drove Friday down to North Carolina and entered an event Saturday morning. Yeah, that was a quick turnaround. So I had no clue how far I was going to hit it. 333 yards. It was a local qualifier. No clue. I hit my first ball. I see the grid workers go running. I'm asking where they went. And the guy goes, I think it's good. And it came back at 378. Wow. 378. <laughs> yes. I thought, I'm like, wow, I'm really good at this. So I qualified, went to regionals in like three weeks and realized I wasn't. Everyone there hits it a long way. So I had right. much improving to do. Right. So with that kind of moving forward in time here, when did you start getting quite competitive as far as, you know, kind of challenging within the top tier of the, uh, the, the top long drivers there? How many years was that? And uh, what was your best result in the, uh, I guess they call it the open division and you're the master's division, which is 45 years and older for men, if I'm correct. Yes, that's correct. Actually, two years later, I actually, the, the next year I qualified for Worlds, didn't do anything. The following year, I went down to a little event, pro event down in Georgia and practicing the day before everyone was 20 yards past me. And I was like, why am I here? I should go home, get up on the grid, end up coming in second in, in the first day. <laughs> That's good stuff. So, so let's move fast forward here to this year and tell us a bit about your experience in the master's division, which I already mentioned that you won and you got your big belt there. I've got a, a picture of that. I'll, I'll have a, a link in our show notes where everybody can see uh, your smiling face wearing your belt. So you can tell us about that experience. 
it was an amazing experience. I didn't hit the ball well all year. Started to catch a little momentum in the last two tour events in the Open. Finished probably top 12, top 14. Went to the Masters. Had no expectations. Hit it well in the first couple sets and just kept the momentum going. And as the night went on, I kept hitting it better and better. Now, is it fair to say that the competition level of the Masters division now in 2017 is comparable to, let's say, where the Open division was 10, 15 years ago? Is that fair to say? Is everything progressed that much or am I off the mark there with that? Well, I, I would say you're pretty close. We have 32 seniors. We had seven of those seniors qualifying for the Open. And I believe if we hadn't hit Friday into Friday night, some of the seniors probably would have made the top 32. But with fatigue, I was tired. Yeah, the field is strong. I think the field's extremely strong in the senior division. I didn't have a chance to see it there. I didn't get it in until the, the next night, but that's certainly what I've heard. Since you've been entrenching it for so long, I'm sure you are certainly able to look at long drive through a lens that most people can't. So how do you see the future, let's say the next couple of years or even five or 10 years, especially with Golf Channel getting involved owning the property now? What are your thoughts on the progression of long drive and where you think it might be going? I'm super excited about it. We seem to have more events. Next year, I'm hearing we're going to have four or five televised events, including seniors and women in there. I see it's going up, improving and getting better. I'm hoping to still be around in 10 years to see it and compete. <laughs> well, I certainly hope that you are too. It's time for a rematch of 2013, 14, and 15. And this first player is looking for Volvic World Long Drive Championship number five. Count of five. She is Sandra Carlborg. Sandra Kahlberg from Sweden, yes. Pleasure to meet you. And Sandra, you are not only a woman's long drive athlete, you are also the four-time world champion, which is amazing. So can you tell us a little bit, Sandra, about how you first got into long drive competition? Uh, it was through a friend, Jessica Wallstrom. She used to compete, but she's going to have a baby now. But she asked me to come and, and try it out. And I won my first tournament in Sweden, which was fun, of course. And I told my brother to try it, and he won his first tournament. So it's in the family. So we have all, uh, both been uh, on, uh, on the World Championship many times together. And one year it was my father, my brother and me competing. So my father was in the plus 60 and some of the masters divisions. So it was a lot of fun, but today I'm by myself. So if you and your brother have children later on, maybe you'll be both competing in the masters divisions and your children will be world champions. You, you never know. It sounds like it definitely is in the genes. So you've been involved in long drive competitions for, uh, for a few years now. And on the Mod Golf Podcast, we are very interested in talking about the future of golf and different types of golf. And of course, golf now, people are changing their mindset that golf doesn't mean having to play 18 holes. It could be the world long drive, and we consider this golf. So where do you think, not only will you be in golf and long drive in a couple years' time, but what are your thoughts about the future of golf and the future of world long drive? Yeah, what Golf Channel do for the sport is amazing. Uh, it grows every year and it's a lot of nice, good hitters coming on the ladies' side. So that's amazing. So uh, it's going to be a big future for long drive, um, for sure. So it, it's, it's a lot of fun and the prize money goes up and the televised event and it's going in the right direction. I'm very happy for that. And yeah, I, it's, it's looking very good for the future of long drive. And you can see, even on the Solen Cup, you know, they had music on the first tee. Of course, that comes from long drive. Absolutely. And very interesting. I know you were just part of the draw to choose it tonight, that for the first time there will be a team event in long drive, which I think as an entertainment experience is going to be wonderful, which will be live on Golf Channel tonight, which we're speaking right now on Tuesday, September 5th. So uh, can you tell me about what that's going to be like? We can't compete against the guys that compete in long drive, so it's going to be fun to do it together with them. So, yeah, and it's going to be good TV, and yeah, it's, it's a fun thing. So, yeah, I'm happy to be a part of that. Wonderful. One last question for you before I let you go here, Sandra. How have you seen at a grassroots level with what you're doing in golf and, and what all these other wonderful women are doing and men are doing here too, how do you see personally the game growing and kind of connecting with people that perhaps might have been involved in other sports or maybe not considered golf and see what you're doing and others are doing? Do you, do you actually see this as, as positively growing and connecting with a younger audience now wanting to try and play the game? Yeah, because this is fun. Uh, golf is fun. I have played professional for 13 years, so of course golf is fun too, but this is 
a different you know they have you have the crowd the people are screaming and clapping and it's music and the adrenaline goes up in your body so it's it's different than golf when you need to come down so it, it's so much fun and yeah everyone can try it out you know you can have it's a lot of guys comes from different kind of sports so it could be on the women's side as well like yeah come and try it out and yeah i would love to see the sport grows yeah absolutely with the televised coverage you guys are getting now i'm i'm sure even tonight there's going to be some young women out there they're going to see you for the first time and the other fabulous women and they're going to now say hey i gotta give that a shot and i think you are the ambassadors for the next generation which is fantastic so thank you sandra very much for your time today and i and best of luck tonight thank you so much just a quick update to this interview Sandra was victorious in the finals to become the five-time women's world long drive champion. For the win! Down you got! Will it hang on? It turns over, but will it stay? Yes! It will! Your 2017 Fulvic World Long Drive Champion! Justin James! So I'm talking to Justin James, the newly crowned, or I guess say newly belted, Volvic World Long Drive Champion for 2017. Justin, welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. How are you doing today? Hey man, doing well. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So uh, so let's get right into it here. I'm, I'm very curious to hear a bit of a backstory first, Justin. So uh, tell us your history in golf and also in long drive and how it reached to the culmination of what happened a couple of days ago. Sure. Uh, long history, but I'll try to keep it as concise as I can. My dad started me golfing probably as soon as I could walk. And uh, it was his dream for me to be a golfer. So he was playing golf at the time, uh, doing long drive events. He's won two world titles. So my earliest advantage was trying to basically keep up with him. I'd go to the driving range and my daddy would be training for the long drive, hitting drivers. So naturally that's what I would do. So continue to play junior tournaments in Southern California, moved to Florida when I was about 13 and I kind of fell in love with baseball, the uh, the team element, so the social element, you know, golf's very obviously individualistic, especially in Southern California, it's very cutthroat in junior golf. So I, I began to play baseball, had some success at that, and uh, kept playing golf. But at some point, my love for baseball kind of took over. I went to that full-time, played college baseball, professional baseball, and still played golf during that period and actually played a college tournament as well. Thought about transitioning over to college golf, but golf was something that I knew I could come back to while baseball had a shelf life. So I kept on with baseball, again, played two short seasons of pro ball, and then transitioned back into golf. And at some point, I thought long drive was a possibility. I had considered it before, but I had a strength and conditioning background as well. I was a, uh, I am a certified strength and conditioning specialist. I was training people. That's largely what I did as well with baseball. You know, I threw 84 miles an hour in high school and ended up playing professional baseball, throwing over 90. So I kind of always fascinated with strength, conditioning, performance, and went ahead and got my certifications with Titles Performance Institute, as well as became a certified strength and conditioning specialist, and basically treated myself as a guinea pig when we decided we want to do long drive and train with my dad. Behind the scenes, it entered a few long drive events, and the rest is kind of history. That's the shortest version I can give. It's a good, concise version there. So your dad is a two-time world champ, is that correct? Yeah, he won the uh, the Masters division twice, uh, I believe 0506 or 0607. Right, so your winning drive in the finals there was just needed the one there during your, uh, it was your fifth ball, uh, the first yeah. one in your second set, that was at 435. Mm-hmm. Very dramatic stuff of the way that unfolded there. So I know it does depend on the, the wind conditions and the elevation, there's a lot of factors that determine the length there. But let me ask you right now, do you actually go head to head with your dad even just for fun? And uh, do you guys actually have that ongoing competitive nature between you? with long drive when you're just having some fun? Well, not, not necessarily in long drive, but uh, definitely on the course. And he'll give me a hard time and he'll uh, usually wear me out on the course because he's an excellent player. He's competed back at the PGA, the national championship, and he's been section player of the year here a few times in the PGA. So on the golf course, certainly, and then everywhere else. But I think at this point, it's safe to say I've got him in the long drive game, finally. So. <laughs> gotcha. So back to long drive now. With the Volvic World Long Drive Championships last week, is that the 
first time you've actually participated in the World Long Drive Championships. Maybe give us a bit of context as far as have you won previous events before? Just so our, I know the answer to this, but just so our listeners can get a little bit of context as far as the progression of your career here in Long Drive. Sure, yeah. I c- began competing, what is it, it's 2017, so in 2016. So I've been at it for, I guess, technically less than two years. So, But I've got two full seasons under my belt now. The first year I took third, or is a tie for third at the World Championships. Obviously this year I won, and then I was fortunate to win two tour events this year on the uh, World Long Drive Tour as well. Very good. So in the World Long Drive men's rankings now, where after your World Championship victory, where are you ranked? I moved to one, yeah. You did. So you uh, sure you did. knocked Maurice Allen off his perch there, did you? Yeah. Good stuff. So, so this has been great. You've told us where you've been and what you've actually done recently in Long Drive. I'm very curious to hear now about the future, the future for yourself in Long Drive and in other sporting endeavors and, and where you think the World Long Drive is going to be going with the potential. It really seems like they're just scratching the surface with Golf Channel. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on yourself personally and also on long drive overall yeah well I, I love the question um i get asked about it frequently and i think that long drive is extremely important and some people might find that laughable but it, you know going forward to the game of golf and the reason is because golf is increasingly it's more and more athletic Okay, you've got athletes on the tour that you've never seen before. Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy. Obviously, Tiger started that and then Gary Player before him. So whether people like it or not, this athleticism, these longer drives are not going away. Golf's now an Olympic sport. Across the world, you have Olympic federations investing in golf and golf fitness. They're starting kids earlier and earlier. And long drive is on the cutting edge of that golf fitness and that athleticism. Okay, if you look at average ball speeds on the PGA Tour, I I'd probably get this wrong, but I would guess it's about 165, maybe a little higher, a little low, your average ball speed on the tour. If you watched the broadcast the other night, you saw ball speeds of 227, 6, 5 miles an hour. Okay, that's absolutely astonishing, and that begs or that kind of demands that one pay attention to that and ask, okay, what are these guys doing to get ball speeds some 60 miles an hour? And I understand most general audience doesn't have appreciation for ball speed like that. But that's absolutely incredible. Okay, if we're talking swing speed, I think the two were 107, 10, something like that. And in long drive, you're seeing, I think we saw 157 or 155 the other night. Incredible. So just as another sport, gave the illustration the other day, uh, Nolan Ryan was probably the first pitcher to lift weights. There was a time when basketball players didn't lift weights and golfers were lifting weights. But what those other athletes did is they saw the benefits and, in other sports. And I think that in the golf fitness world, they will look at what long drivers are doing. And by the way, I'm in the long drive world. We're not doing 400 pound Olympic lifts. We're not power lifters uh, eating 10,000 calories a day. I think people will be surprised how we train for speed and some of the unique things that we are doing. And I think that in the future, the golf industry, uh, PGA Tour players, professional golfers, are, it's they're really going to have to look at what we are doing because if you're not training for speed, if you're not training for athleticism, if a junior golfer is not training to be an athlete first, they're going to get left behind as golf moves more and more towards athleticism. And it's interesting. I see this as a well-rounded athlete because I was there all week and seen some of the earlier rounds that I see you need this combination of not only explosive power, but also flexibility and endurance, especially those early rounds I saw in the master's division and the women's division. I guess the earlier rounds with the the men too, that when you're qualifying, it's a long day out there. You're hitting a lot of balls and and a lot of the athletes were fading in, in those later rounds. Yeah, it's absolutely something you got to train for. And especially the world championships, you're a very unique week, both mentally, physically. You know, we are there for basically an entire week. And people see the broadcast on Tuesday and Wednesday night, but they don't see Monday, Saturday, Sunday, then the training sessions. And I tell people, I think the most challenging thing about that week is just the waiting period. You know, you're waiting all day, all night to hit really on stage for three minutes, right? And so it's the premier event of long drive, obviously. And there is a lot of complexities that go into the sport beyond just a lot of people. I don't say a lot, but many can swing a club extremely hard. There's far more that goes into it than that. 
I'm sure there is. And I saw some of that firsthand. And I think as the sport of long drive grows, more and more fans and more people will actually uh, become aware of that and will become huge supporters of what you're doing here, which is which is exciting for the sport. So on that note, as we finish up here, Justin, I'm curious, when now that you're an ambassador for the sport, are you with the people that you talk to that have not played golf before or kind of interested in the game? Do you feel there's more of a connectivity and more of a willingness down the road to get out there and, and try it as the sport grows to get more and more athletes? participating sure well i mean i think it draws people in you know if, if in the golf industry if we're honest with ourselves most people don't want to play a five or six hour round of golf they're not interested in watching the final round of a major which sometimes takes seven hours but they enjoy going to top golf most people when they go to the driving range just try to bash a driver with their buddies and in no way are we trying to replace the game of golf anything like that we are all golfers first by the way if you saw there were three or four guys in that top eight about half the field had a plus handicap one of the guys was a web.com to actually a couple have played web.com events but what this can do you know i was writing about this the other day but mixed martial arts first came in very criticized by boxing they thought it would hurt boxing hurt the perception of combat sports there's been some negative reaction to long drive obviously and i, I totally understand that but what mixed martial arts has done is increase the popularity of jiu-jitsu of boxing of sambo of whatever it is any combat sport period i think that if long drive is able to draw more people into golf even at a nominal level that's good for golf because golf has a bit of a demographic problem the audience is getting older and older in our social media world where attention spans are 30 seconds or less golf has it's a hard sell but long drive serves a different audience and can not increase the popularity just of long drive but of golf and draw people into the game who otherwise would not be as captivated by golf I think you touched on a very interesting point. And that's something on the podcast we do talk about a lot is how does golf connect with a younger audience and connect with a larger audience? And we, we see that also, that uh, long drive is in by no means cannibalizing the existing golf market and is by no means not respecting what's going on and not staying true to the game. So we think it certainly complements and expands the potential of golf. What not only World Long Drive is doing, but uh, but also what you're doing. So Justin, let's finish up there. So thanks so much for being on the podcast today and Absolutely. continued success with what you're doing and forward to seeing you on tour in 2018. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me. I spent a lot of my time working with startup companies and helping them with what we call product market fit for what they're offering. In some ways, I look at World Long Drive as a startup that is in a similar situation as they look to scale up their content creation over the next couple of years and capture a larger, untapped audience. For World Long Drive to grow and really succeed, they will need to expand their audience base from passionate golf fans and early adopters to the much larger majority who love engaging sport competitions and the athlete stories that help fuel it. NBC has managed to cross this chasm before with American Ninja Warrior to create an entertainment experience from what started as a niche sport property. World Long Drive has all the ingredients to become the next American Ninja Warrior, a fast, dramatic, and easy-to-follow competition format charismatic athletes that fans can relate to, individual and team formats, and a venue configuration that allows for content creation more like an action sport event rather than a golf tournament. In business circles, World Long Drive is creating what is known as a blue ocean strategy. Simply put, rather than create a product or service in a crowded space with lots of competitors fighting over a limited number of existing customers, instead build something that unlocks a new, vast, uncontested market, an untouched blue ocean that makes the competition irrelevant. Cirque du Soleil managed to pull this off, and World Long Drive has the potential to do the same. I look forward to seeing how the World Long Drive story unfolds over the next couple of years, to see if they can capture a larger sport entertainment audience. Until then, I'll keep working on my swing speed to try to hit a ball 300 yards at least once. I want to thank all my guests this week for taking the time to be interviewed for the podcast. If you'd like to learn more about any of the guests that I had on the show this week, Please go to the show notes in the guest biographies where I've included information and links so you can learn more about and connect with these people. I'm Colin Weston. Thanks for joining me this week on the Mod Golf Podcast. Bye for now.